Welcome to The Daily Cut, a podcast of Park Community Church. I'm Joel Sedekes, a member here at Park Community Church from our Forest Glen location. I'm also the founder and lead teacher of the Think Institute here in Chicago. Throughout this season, Park wanted to create something consistent that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. So to do that, they created The Daily Cut, short devotionals that they hope encourage you as you grow in your faith and walk with Jesus. This is The Daily Cut, and I'm Joel Sedekes. Today, we're looking at Acts chapters 16 through 18, which tells the true account of Paul's second missionary journey. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are on mission, God's mission. They're missionaries who are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Greek provinces of Macedonia and Achaia, which has them visiting cities like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. The time frame is from about AD 48 or 49 to the year 51, so two to three years. The big idea of this text is that God carries out his mission through great opposition. So let's look at the story and uh, get an outline of what's going on, and then we'll draw out some deeper principles and apply them to our lives. First, let's look at chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. In this section, Timothy joins Paul and Silas. 16.1 says, Paul went on to Derby and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. So they go and they spread the word about the decisions that were reached by the apostles and the elders at the recent council in Jerusalem. And as they spread this to the different churches, the churches, as a result, are strengthened in their faith and they increase in their numbers daily. So God is carrying out his mission through these men as they go and as they travel to the different churches. Then something really cool happens in verses 6 through 10. We find out about the Macedonian call. So verse 6 says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, this is where they get their first opposition. And incredibly, it's opposition from God. Or we might say it's good guidance from God. The Holy Spirit forbade them from speaking in Asia. But then, in a dream, he calls them to Macedonia. The Holy Spirit opposes their plan, has them change their plan, and sends them on to the area that he had prepared and is preparing for them to visit. You might think at this point, well, that's great. They're going to have smooth sailing as they go. This is God's mission. He's directing them. Surely they couldn't face any opposition as they go because they're on God's mission, right? God's not going to let them be opposed. God wants his mission to succeed. But what we're going to see is God does carry out his mission, but he does it through great opposition. Let's keep going. In chapter 16, verses 11 through 15, we find out about the conversion of Lydia. What they did was they found a women's prayer group. Lydia is a member of this group, maybe the leader of this group, and 
by trade, she's a purple goods seller. So she's an entrepreneur, small business owner, and she is a worshiper of God. She's not Jewish, but she worships the God of the Jewish people. Well, they evangelize her. They share the gospel with her. And it says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. She believed and her whole household, along with her, were all baptized. So God is carrying out his mission here. So, so far, smooth sailing, but opposition is on the way. In verses 16 through 24, we find out about Paul and Silas being sent to prison. What happened there? What happened was Paul exorcised a demon from a fortune-telling girl, and he does so in the name of Jesus. Paul casting the demon out of this girl, setting her free, did not make her owners happy. And so her owners brought them, Paul and Silas, to the magistrates, the local governmental authorities. And in verse 23, it says, after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. So now they're facing their first true opposition from people. They were flogged. They were thrown in jail unjustly. Talk about opposition. But remember, God carries out his mission through great opposition. So watch what happens while they're in jail. So at midnight, while Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, an earthquake hit, the doors of the jail were opened and their shackles came off. But get this, they didn't escape. The jailer, realizing what had happened, is ready to kill himself. This is how seriously the jailer takes his job. He assumed that all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul and Silas alert the jailer to the fact, hey, we're still here. Well, the jailer is now shaken to his core, and he asks them how he can be saved. He probably had heard them singing hymns, knew that they were Christians, and realized at this point that their God was the one true God. And he was convicted to his heart about his need for salvation. What do they say? They, they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then guess what? He did believe. And they went to his house and they evangelized his household as well. And all the members of his household believed and were baptized. So the jailer is converted to Christ, and the household rejoiced. The next day they were released from prison, and they went and visited Lydia and the other brothers, the other believers. Now, moving into chapter 17, in verses 1 through 9, we see Paul and Silas in Thessalonica. And here they face opposition again. At Thessalonica, they were attacked by a mob after reasoning with the Jewish people for three Sabbaths in a row from the scriptures. So there's this mix of evangelism, sharing the gospel with the, with the intent to persuade, and apologetics, the 
defense of the Christian message. Verse 5 says, But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. Now we see that the affiliates, the allies of Paul and Silas, now they're beginning to face opposition as well. And yet, the mission of God is not stopped because God carries out his mission through great opposition. Paul and Silas now traveled to Berea. In Berea, they went to a synagogue and they preached, and it says that the Bereans were more noble and they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures to see if the things were true. So they saw the hand of God in this. They realized that this was the mission of God. But then more opposition hit. Some Thessalonian Jews came up and rabble-roused. So they sent Paul off, but Silas and Timothy stayed there in Berea. Now Paul goes to Athens. And this is my favorite section. Paul walks around Athens, and Athens was a city that was filled with shrines and idols. And Paul was troubled by the idols, by these images that were being worshipped. So he goes into the synagogue and reasons with the devout Jewish people there. And he also goes into the market. And those people in the market were so fascinated by his ideas that they brought him to the Areopagus. At this point in time, it was where religious and moral matters were settled. And Paul addresses the Areopagus in this brilliant speech. I highly recommend that uh, you check it out for yourself. It's verses 22 through 32 of chapter 17. And as a result of this speech, some joined him and believed. Others were curious. They said they'd like to hear from him again. And others flat out opposed him. They, they laughed. But even in spite of that opposition, we still see that God carries out his mission. So in chapter 18, verses 1 through 17, Paul goes to Corinth, where he meets Priscilla and Aquila, their fellow tent makers, and he reasons in the synagogue with them. Um, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And again, he faces opposition. The people didn't believe. Paul was rejected by the Jewish people in Corinth. So he, in turn, in turn rejects them and turns to the Gentiles, which is a major step forward in the mission of God. God carries out his mission through great opposition. And it's really cool how this happened. After they were kicked out of the synagogue, they went to the, went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, who lived next door to the synagogue. As a result of being there, the leader of the synagogue, whose name was Crispus, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. And many Corinthians also believed and were baptized. Then the Lord said something to Paul that was so encouraging. The Lord, and this is verses 9 and 10 of chapter 18. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. 
and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. So Paul stayed there 18 months preaching the word. God promises to carry out his mission even through great opposition. And the opposition does continue. Then he went back to Antioch and then on to Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening the disciples. So although he's facing all this opposition, he knows he's on God's mission. He knows that God carries out his mission through great opposition. Now, all right, so why does this matter when you turn off the podcast? Why does this matter for the real world? Well, if you're someone who has come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have a mission. It's not identical to Paul's. It's not identical to mine or anyone else's. But it's unique to you, and it's part of God's bigger mission to disciple the nations. And how is God's mission carried out? It's carried out by his people getting the word out about Jesus, by announcing that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. Actually, this is what Paul is accused of, that he's he's announcing the lordship of another king than Caesar. Who's that king? Jesus. See, when you get the word out about Jesus, when you speak up for the gospel, you will face opposition. This opposition could come in many forms. It could be face-to-face and direct. It could be through emails. It could be through social media. It could be through legal attacks. It could be through physical attacks. It could be people harassing you or your loved ones or filing complaints about you. Maybe you've experienced some of these things. It could be people reaching out to the authorities about you, trying to discredit you, trying to harm you, trying to bring you down. Maybe you've experienced this. I have. How should we respond when this happens? Man, you know, we're trying to live for the Lord. We're trying to do what's right, be on mission for God. No, we're not doing it perfectly, but why all this opposition if we're pursuing God's mission? All kinds of questions then come up. Am I really even on God's mission? If so, why am I facing this opposition? Is God disapproving of me? See, oftentimes we think opposition means that we're off course. Facing much opposition can even make us question whether we made the right call to follow Jesus, to speak out about the gospel, to stand on biblical truth. We face rejection, we face pain, and this hurts because we value acceptance, which of course is understandable. We are relational beings. Paul was rejected by his people. He understood what it feels like not to be accepted. Additionally, we don't want to face harm and pain. We value our well-being. If we didn't value that, we'd be dead We'd never protect ourselves. But in this story, Paul himself was brutalized. What we need to see is that when when we face opposition while serving the Lord, when we suffer for doing what's right, that's an indication that we are right where we are supposed to be. The Apostle Peter elsewhere writes, For it's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. 
For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So you see, the answer to these questions comes from the gospel, comes from Jesus. Jesus himself faced the loss of acceptance by his people. He faced harm and pain. Now, we often refer to people who die for their beliefs, who have their lives taken from them because of their beliefs, a martyr. But Jesus wasn't any ordinary martyr. Jesus laid his life down willingly. And it's the gospel that shows us that opposition doesn't mean we're outside of God's mission. It's, in fact, the very thing that God uses to advance his mission. Timothy and Luke, who is writing the book of Acts, and Silas and Paul, they experienced opposition and they watched Paul go through it. And their perseverance strengthened other believers. When we waver, we too can look to other believers who have gone through similar circumstances. Most importantly, though, we look to Christ Jesus who went before us. We follow him straight into opposition, sharing in his suffering, because we know it will be worth it. It's Christ's mission, and we can be honored to share in that mission and to play even some small role. Although we face rejection, we can take comfort knowing that he accepts us, and that's what we truly need. And he brings other believers into our lives to comfort us. And we can thrive in knowing that our harm and our pain will in the end be redeemed. In the end, the harm and the pain will end. We will have healing and rest. And God has given us the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who guided Paul to comfort us now in the face of opposition. So we need to be on mission with a plan, but ready for God to change the plan, just like he wouldn't let Paul go to Asia. We need to be ready to share the gospel, ready to give a defense of the gospel, ready to face opposition and persecution, even from unexpected places. You start speaking up, you share the gospel, and you might face opposition from within your workplace, even from within your church. How can we prepare for this opposition? We need to be in God's word, confident of what God's mission is, prayed up and surrounded by other believers who believe in Jesus, believe in his mission, and believe in us. When conflict and opposition come, and believe me, they will, we can entrust ourselves to the same Lord and Savior that we proclaim whenever we share the gospel. We can trust Jesus to protect us. We can ask God to comfort us with the Holy Spirit. We can ask our church family to support us and encourage us. These are resources that God has given us. Now, if you're listening and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, Here's what I'd love for you to walk away with. The God who made you is so much greater than anything else in your life. And this God has a mission and a purpose. And part of that purpose is to reach you today by listening to this podcast, to hear the good news about Jesus. See, the Bible says that the wages of sin 
is death. That means you and I and everyone else deserve God's condemnation. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the message that Paul and Silas and Timothy went out with. It's the message of Park Community Church. It's the message of the whole Bible. And it's the message God wants you to hear today. Please, don't let this day end without becoming his follower, without experiencing the joy and forgiveness and the peace that come from repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus. When you do, God will not only forgive your sins, but he will give you a place in his family and he'll give you a place in his mission. Will there be opposition? Yes, but God will help you and you will get to play a role in God carrying out his mission even through great opposition. Thanks for listening today. I hope you're doing well and we'll be back again tomorrow with another short devotional. So stay tuned.